What's up, Bench Warmers? Welcome into episode 87 of the Far Under the Bench podcast with Jimmy Pilato and Nico Bryant. We are back on the two-episode week train with the Avalanche starting their series. Tonight, as we're recording this, last night, as you guys are listening to this, so we got plenty of playoff hockey recap, all those game sevens, playoff basketball recap, a little bit of the controversy surrounding uh, the NBA and, and the media personnel, everything like that. I fight through a bloody nose. We have it all in episode 87. It's playoff mode fully activated so myself and nico have a great time this week be sure to follow at feotb pod all social medias wherever you get your podcast be sure to rate leave five uh five star rating and a review we'll read that on the podcast as well subscribe to the youtube channel everything has been growing we can't thank you guys enough be sure to tell a friend about us as well if they're looking for some sports content to listen to throughout the week we uh we're, we're always grateful for the fans and always grateful for people passing on uh, the show via word of mouth. So thank you everybody so far. And uh, yeah, Nico, uh, we, we got a, a Manson sighting. How, how about that? Marilyn Manson, Charles Manson, John Manson, don't matter. Abs of four, baby. Abs of four. There we go. Abs of four. All right, bench warmers, we are coming right off, right off of the Avalanche game one win in round two over the St. Louis Blues. We'll talk more about that in depth. Uh, plenty of playoff hockey, playoff basketball to talk about. We got some big surprises going on uh, and some controversy. I, I figured we'll, we should bring up. Pat Beverly is making a name for himself in the playoffs because he can't actually do that on the court. So he's got to do it from the media side of things. Uh, but before we get going like that, be sure remember follow at FEOTB pod where on all your social medias and new episodes of the podcast come out Thursdays or excuse me, Wednesdays and Fridays. So follow wherever you listen to your podcast as well. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Neek, uh, we got a lot of, of energy, a lot of buzz going because that was a hell of a playoff hockey game, but we're going to move backward and then we'll, we'll kind of do the old movie trick where we start at the end, we come back to the beginning and then we'll work our circle our way back towards the end. Um, so first of all, four, I think, yeah, four game sevens in the span of two days. Oh, it was no, it was more than that. There was four on well, Sunday. Counting, there was, counting basketball, there was, yeah, there was I yeah, think total. six or six there's, or seven. I mean, the four. basketball ones were horrendous, so we don't have to worry about that one. Yeah. But the hockey ones were where we had three of the four were overtimers, overtime winners. Yep, and uh, New York was a come from behind. New York had three straight come from behind victories in elimination games to keep their season alive. But I think we should do the hockey world a favor and start with the redheaded stepchild still winless in a playoff series since 2004. Only time they've ever made it past that round so far in the last 20, 20 almost 20 years is a bad Mike Myers movie. Um, but the Toronto Maple Leafs, 0-8, actually 0-5 in game sevens with Marners and Matthews. And they have five straight years of losing in the first round of the playoffs. And let's be honest, this was the least – the least worst out of the five. Yeah. Let's be honest. They, they lost to uh, Boston when they were underdogs, which wasn't bad five years ago. Four years ago, was Columbus. Those two, they were not favored. That doesn't matter. Then you go uh, three years ago, they lose to, I think, Boston again. In the bubble. Lose to, lose to Boston in the bubble. And then you then you lose to uh, Montreal last year. And mm-hmm. now this year, you, you have Tampa Bay, the Spanish Stanley Cup champions. Look, there's a reason why every time Toronto won, I hammered the, the Tampa Bay Lightning to win the series money line. I hammered every game that Tampa Bay lost, I hammered. Mm-hmm. Because look, this series, look, we'll, we'll even count the regular season series. In 11 games between Tampa Bay and Toronto throughout the year, each game alternated who won. It started off with Toronto, Tampa Bay, Toronto, Tampa Bay, and then you get to the playoffs, it alternated until one team had to win twice. And that was the one team that won twice ended up winning the series. And if you tell me, and look, I'm not even going to put the blame on Toronto anymore. That's look, they they have some they have some soul searching to do. They got some other things they got to worry about. But look, I am I am ready to say this. I am ready to say this. Vasilevsky may be the clutchest goaltender and may have him be in the conversation for one of the greatest goaltenders of all time at the end of his career. What he does 
consistently throughout the playoffs, it is an automatic bet on Tampa Bay because he's between the pipes. It is that he is that good. It is it is look, you are facing an all-world type goalie, and you are not getting production from your top guys if you're Toronto. And it's one thing leads to another, and you're sitting at home at home for a fifth straight year in a row, losing the first round, and tw- almost or 19 years, nearly 20 since winning a first round series. It's yeah. just not. And look, last year it was a complete choke. This year you lose to a two-time Stanley Cup champions. You can have you can have your head held a little bit high, but it's not that high because it's still that barren is on your head. Yeah, and Andre Vasilevsky, especially in the postseason, I he's I think six and zero now in his last six closeout games in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And other than this final, other than this game against Toronto, they've all been shutouts. So in the biggest moments, and that was one thing. Tampa Bay did not play well that series. You could tell Tampa looked tired. It was a different story tonight when they played Florida in, in round two. But Tampa Bay did not look great in that entire series. Kucherov basically didn't show up. Stamkos had a tough time get going and they lose Braden point possibly for an extended period of time. So it's not by no means a perfect series from Tampa Bay, but when you have a guy like Andre Vasilevsky in a closeout situation so far, he hasn't proven to do you any kinds of wrong in that situation. You think back last year, just in the three uh, closeout games, I think it was five Oh in round one, two Oh in round two uh, and one zero against the New York Islanders in the semifinals. So that that's where the strength of this Tampa Bay team lies. And yeah, I, I really don't know what ta- Toronto can do. At least if you got blown out in that series, you'd be able to like excuse blowing it all up and maybe starting fresh. But right now you're kind of stuck with, we got to throw the same guys out there because they, they damn near got it done. And we're talking and look, about having respect in the, in the handshake line at the end of the game. That's a step up for this Toronto Maple Leafs franchise. It absolutely is. And if I'm being honest with you, about probably about 80% of those Eastern Conference teams, Toronto beats. Mm-hmm. Every single team that lost, Toronto would have beaten. If you look at – they probably would have beaten New York. They probably would have beaten the likes of maybe the Canes if, if they had home place advantage. But you face the two-time Stanley Cup defending champions. And the best goalie in hockey, do or die, game seven, who do I want between the pipes right now? It's Vasilevsky. And there's zero debate. There's not even a debate on who should be the who should, who's number two. Like, like it's one, two, three, Vasilevsky, 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 who you want between the pipes in the game seven. And like I said, he actually I tell you back. One, two, three, one, two, um, 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 is Vasilevsky, three is Ottinger. But either way, right there, Vasilevsky is just on a different world. And Toronto, you lose at home on game seven. That's worse. You have your own fans fighting the stands with one another. You're not even fighting Tampa Bay fans. You're swinging on your own fans. Like, come on now. Like, like it's, it's bad, then there's really bad. Like, yeah. just, like, just, just, just hang your head off. Go, go off the side and go switch your Maple Leafs out, jersey out for a Toronto Blue Jays jersey and, and just be on your with your day because you're, you are, a fraudulent franchise. Fraudulent, fraudulent, fraudulent. Yeah, and speaking of Jake Odinger, that should move us over to the nightcap of everything, the end of the first round, uh, Dallas and Calgary in Game 7. We had three Game 7s take place in Canada, by the way. So for the fact that they haven't won a Stanley Cup since 1993, they've, they had three huge games over the weekend. And Calgary, it was just too much. Uh, if Odinger would have won that game for Dallas, it would have felt dirty. Calgary was by far and away the better team. Like there was, you could have put their third line out there to start. And, you know, I, I think, you know, I got a, a, I don't like Jamie Ben. I don't really like anybody that plays for Dallas, but Jamie Ben and Tyler Sagan are not the same players that they have been. Pavelski was the top player on. Pavelski was their best player. Pavelski, I I know you hate him. I like him because he played for Team USA and he wore the C for them. That was so damn long ago. People forget. But either way, the Stars team had no, no right to be on the same ice. It was just a, it was no, a performance was, of a lifetime. Ottinger, look, good for Dallas. They have some young guys in the pipeline coming up. Ottinger now is your goaltender for the, for the significant future. Like, you are set up for the future. You, you, have, you, you came in and outperformed yourself way past than what you thought. You pushed a team that some people are picking to go to the cup final in Calgary and to the limit until overtime and 
the most pivotal game. That's all you could have asked for from this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be different. I think Jacob Markstrom kind of got outshined a little bit because of Ottinger's performance, but Calgary had a huge goaltending performance in the first series, and, and that's why they were in that situation. You finally got a goal in a game seven from Matthew Kachuk. That was his first career game seven goal in the playoffs. So Daryl Sutter yeah, also with Brady in the stands yeah. and his daddy. But Daryl Sutter now eight and three in game sevens in Calgary, though it was not as pretty as you might've thought they, this battle of Alberta in the second round gets a little bit interesting now because for as stifled as the Calgary offense was in that first round series, you don't, I don't see the Edmonton Edmonton Oilers defense shutting them down the way the Dallas Stars did. The Stars had a perfect game plan. They did exactly what they needed to, made it dirty, and tried to keep it as close as possible towards the end. It, it was too much for them because you gave up 75 or whatever shots on goal that it was, and Jake Ottinger just couldn't do it anymore. But uh... they got the job done. That's all you can say right now. They're going to have to prove it in round two. And honestly, if you're an Edmonton Oilers fan, this is the exact matchup that I wanted to see. I did not want to see Jake Ottinger in the Dallas Stars because that's that's the same exact style of play that Edmonton has gotten swept out of the playoffs the last two seasons with. I would lie and say that Ottinger would not have been able to keep up with that. If there's one team that can match the physicality and punish McDavid and Drysaddle for 60 minutes, it's going to be Calgary. Dallas would have would have had Ottinger just play his ass off. But that would have only lasted one or two games. He probably would have smoked for one. And probably the last one, probably an OT winner from Calgary and then or some from Edmonton. They'd be moving on to the Western Conference Finals. I think, look, I think Edmonton and I, I, I'm straight up saying this is a Calgary series to lose. You you have far more talent. Johnny Hockey is on one right now. You have a great back line for you that has been hitting on all cylinders, getting picking up points from you. From, from and, and this team, man, I Calgary scares me because Markstrom is a guy that, first of all, is ridiculous. Vancouver got rid of his ass uh, t- uh, two years ago um, and just let him walk. But Calgary is a team that has a great goal, young goaltender in the back and has so much firepower that it's going to be able to match McDavid. McDavid had to win game seven by himself. Let's that, be honest here. He did that. And, if Dick David is not on that roster, they get swept by the, the LA Kings. He did everything, and I mean everything, for that team to win a game seven. It's not like Edmonton said, well, we were just a far better team. You probably played the worst team left in the playoffs by far and away in the LA Kings. I'm giving Nashville more credit, even though they had because they didn't have Soros, but by far and away, the best worst team in the playoffs, and you come out and they force a game seven on your ass with Johnny Quick, who is 10, 10 years past his prime, no Drew Doughty, Andre Kopitar playing on half a leg. Are you kidding me? No. Yeah. This is Calgary night and day. I think they run through these fools, and it's going to be embarrassing. It's going to be embarrassing, in my opinion. I don't know if either team is going to have the confidence to make it embarrassing. Neither team should have confidence in this series. Neither team looked good in the opening round. Both teams struggled five on five and the power play wasn't there as as much as it had been in the first round for both teams so I would I mean looking at the Oilers yeah the playing the LA Kings the way that you did suck and thank God you had McJesus on your side because if he doesn't dangle through four guys and and put in (laughs) excuse me that last goal you're not sitting in this situation but I wouldn't say that if I'm on Calgary's side of things especially with this being a rivalry being an in Providence rivalry, Providence rivalry, however you say it in Canada, eh? it's yeah. this is going to be a lot closer. I think this game, this series, honestly, is going to go seven. I'm excited to see what Game One looks like. That's kind of going to be the measuring stick from from then There's, on. But you we'll got to remember, we'll LA just has, drop gloves with somebody. It'll be the first five minutes. Yeah. Those teams do not like each other at all. I'm I'm glad we're going to be able to see this, and this is going to be Edmonton's chance to step up because you're right. Physicality wise, Calgary owns them in that regard. They Both have Lucic. Wise, also, Mark Strom yeah. is for Mark, Mike Smith. You better hope Mike Smith is playing the best hockey of his life because the amount of offensive onslaught that, that Calgary has put on, especially on a goalie that probably is, will out, would have outperformed Mike Smith. If you let what let Calgary do what they did against um, against Dallas, you're in there for a long long series. 
Yeah. Uh, and then on the Oiler, Oiler side of things, I don't want to sniff past the, the fact that L.A. with Denol now in, in as their second line center, they have some young prospects coming up. L.A. is not going to be this way for very long. I, I do want to give a shout out. It was uh, Dustin Brown's final game, and he, he put out a tweet with one of the pictures from him holding the cup. And one of the times that, that the Kings won, I think they won two in the span of three years back in the mid to mid 2010. So. L.A. outperformed what they should have, but moving forward, the Kings are going to be, especially in the Pacific Division, that I don't think is as strong as the Central. I mean, we know that it's not as strong as the Central. They're going to be up in the playoff picture moving forward because teams like Vegas, teams like Edmonton after this season, Calgary, those those teams are going to start moving down, and we're going to start seeing things level out. And I would choose L.A. It's very recent, but L.A. does have a championship pedigree. Yeah, so. They- yeah, I mean, look, they ha- they have the pedigree and they have um, a great pipeline, like I was saying. And look, it's it's a team that that's similar to my opinion to Dallas. Dallas did not come in thinking they were going to win the series, and neither did LA. They said, you know what, let's push these guys to their limit. Let's see what we can do. Let's have Johnny Quick stand on his ass and just get the best out of our guys and give us let Dustin Brown go out on a high note. That's exactly what they did. No one expected them to win the series. No one expected them to get past five games. They thought McDavid this, McDavid that, McDavid this, McDavid that, drive side of this, drive side of that. And for the most part, it was the Kings matching their intensity on the defensive end. The, the final score on total of seven games was 14 to 13. It was literally decided by one game. Mm-hmm. Between between it was that even throughout the whole series, so there's nothing but hats off to what uh, the Kings did. And I really thought, I mean, this was textbook Oilers running into a hot goaltender and then having things go wrong at the exact wrong time. I thought we were about to see that again. But Conor McDavid, I've heard I was listening to Chicklets earlier this morning. I know I I throw them out a lot, but that's where I get a bulk of my NHL news. That's being considered among some of the best game seven performances in NHL history, not only just with the two points that he had on the scorebook, but he was walking guys on the blue line. He was, he was the one pushing the pace. And in the years past when Edmonton has been swept out of the playoffs, we always go, well, McDavid just disappears in the big games. When he asked to make a play, he doesn't, he did that in game seven. And now we get a battle of Alberta in the second round. I'll, and I'll um, tell you right now, if he doesn't perform this series, those those rumors will still keep coming up. Because like it, I said, everyone yeah. expected that against the Kings. You have a real test now in front of you. A team you saw about 40 times last the last three years. You've played the last two, three years 40 times. The, this series is personal. And McDavid, if you are as good as everyone says and as good as I think you are, you will be the best player on the ice and make sure your team can come out of this series and move on to the Western Cross final, a thing that Edmonton hasn't done in a very long time. Yeah. Um, and also, a little piece of news before we're not going to break down. We'll give our predictions for that series a little bit later on before we get to basketball. But uh, Leon Dreisaitl, not going to be 100%. He was favoring one of his ankles. I think he was listed with a high ankle sprain towards the end of the first round series, and he's not going to be 100%. And that's bad news when you're going up against a team like Calgary. When you have, you're relying on a one-two punch and then throwing in Evander Kane, now it's going to be McDavid, Evander Kane, and Dreisaitl is going to have to figure out where he's going to fit in if he is truly not at 100%. Um, on the Eastern side, we'll finish up with the, the two game sevens that we haven't talked about yet. Carolina, takes care of Boston. That one, it was a true home home ice advantage. That's what it came down to because the road team did not win a single game in this series. Um, Carolina got it done. Hats off to Boston. It kind of seems like it's Patrice Bergeron's last game, possibly in his but career, he, maybe last game as a Bruin. But. I, I think he would retire a Bruin. They were saying that he could possibly be right up there as one of the greats of what Boston has done, Boston greats. Marshawn, I think, is already out the door. I think Bird, I think Marshawn or early 30s. I think he's looking to go chase another cup somewhere. I don't know where it would be. I saw some rumors it'd be Montreal or maybe even Toronto, and him go back to Canada. So that would be interesting. But no, I look. It's Boston that's at the point where you don't have a consistent goal turn back there. You 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 either got to pick between eight Swayman or Old Mark. You, it's time to go with the young gun and see what you got. And because your farm system has been horrendous. It's time to unload some of these contracts and like the Taylor Halls, like like the um, like the Marshawns, like the, like the possibly um, the 
like the, the back end guys, there's some contracts you gotta try to dump off to contenders and get picks because you, you like I said, your farm system isn't great, and but it's time to, to tear down and then build back up again because we you've been stuck in this lingo for what has it been eight years now, maybe pretty even much longer, since 2011. Longer than that? Yeah, longer than that since they won a cup. So mm-hmm. you've been in this lingo for so long, it may be time to finally just tip your hat to the guys that have gotten you there and then move on to the next group. It would be interesting if it is, in fact, Bergeron's last game because then you're looking for a captain for the second time in four years as a Boston Bruins franchise. But really, this isn't the Boston Bruins that everybody's used to seeing. If you're a casual fan of the NHL and you watched a game in this series, unless it was one of the ones in Boston, you're thinking, wow, the Bruins are not physical at all. They try and play on the puck too much. And I think that's where they're going to try and, and retool things. So I agree. I think they're going to go back to the drawing board and they really have to. But on the other side, Carolina didn't do a whole lot to instill confidence in me. Yeah, I, I think Boston played better than they probably should have. But if you're Carol- if you're the Carolina Hurricanes that people were saying are going to be neck and neck with Tampa Bay, Florida, and Colorado down the stretch here, you should have taken care of that series in five games. I'll give you a, I'll give you five games, but after the way you dominated the season series and then games one and two, to have that be the product that you put out on the ice, I have a lot of – I don't think it's going to be this round because I think New York has just as many question marks as Carolina does, but the Hurricanes don't look like a top team in the Eastern Conference right the, now. The problem they're going to run into is at some point they're not going to be the home, home team in the series. Mm-hmm. They're not going to get four games at home. You're you're gonna win the two at home, but are you gonna be in a are you gonna be in O two hole or are you gonna win one on the road? It's gonna be find out if this team is a road dog or not because there's no there's no doubt about their home ice advantage and what they got going down there in Carolina. Like it's they they are very very good at home. Man, this team cannot win a road game. I I, I don't I don't know what the series or I think they may have home ice against New York. I'm not positive though. So you you you'll win game one. I'm almost guaranteeing it. But you you were you may hold one too. But Shesterkin at some point is gonna wake up and he'll be like the way he was all season long. Yeah, like you you're gonna have to win road games at some point if you're gonna want to be a reliable team in the playoffs. Yeah, and then now speaking of New York, it was it's first they time have in lost NHL that series. They yeah. should have lost that series. They should have. They, oh. First time in NHL history that a team has come back in three straight elimination games, not only to come back in and push it to overtime, but win the series. And now the Rangers move on into the second round playing the Carolina Hurricanes, but it was bad. And in that game, game seven against Pittsburgh, they got every single break and every single call go their way. And it was still an overtime four, three victory. I, I think that, Pittsburgh definitely outplayed New York. Pittsburgh played well enough to be in this situation. But I also I, I listened to Sidney Crosby talk after the game, and they had they had situations in Game Five that they would have been able to to put the series out of reach. Game Six they could have put this series out of reach, and they had the lead in Game Seven and let New York come back. And whether it be on a high stick goal or Lafreniere pulling the helmet off and not understanding the rules, being able to put the helmet back on and, and continue in the play. There's a lot that went in New York, New York's favor, but Shesterkin's performance. And then also you're playing against a team that is much better talent wise, I think, or at least roster wise and they're healthier than Pittsburgh was. You're playing a, a BP, uh, an emergency goaltender in Domingue and you still were he played five games and you still yeah. went to seven with these fools. Like, come on now. Like, like this this Rangers team, I know you picked them in your cup final, but to me, they're, they're a bunch of frauds. Yeah. I, I, I think, look, that rule, I, I was seeing things that, well, he could have picked up his helmet. Then again, you look at the replay and the helmet strap was still put on and a guy with gloves is not just going to sit there, oh, let me take my gloves off and put the helmet the same, on. Same it's situation. A, it's, it's not like it – look, and I saw people saying, well, in Europe, that's that rule forever. It's ridiculous. If it's a goaltender, you stop playing. If it's a regular guy on the ice and an inadvertent slash possible uh, guy taking your helmet off, you don't let that go. Like, like, look, New York needed a lot to win this series. They needed a lot. 
And you're if you're telling me that this team that could barely hold a jock to 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 Pittsburgh for most of their games until literally the last ten minutes of games, like it can go into Carolina and beat them? No, that's just not going to happen in my opinion. I, Carolina, like Carolina, is just far more far more better discipline and far better just just in putting teams away. You look at their look at their games at home. Two goal games, three goal games. It's not no overtime BS like you do every single game. Like it ain't no, it ain't no fucking around. Like they come in, they come in with a, with a vengeance at home. It's gonna be dependent on if they can win one in MSG. But I think they can they can roll through this team because New York, the blue, the blue jack, the blue jackets over there. Like I don't, I don't trust them. All right, I've made you wait long enough. Because, now we can start I'll talking about uh, second round series. Um, Colorado, St. Louis. Colorado gets 2-1 victory in overtime. Game one, Josh Manson with the overtime winner uh, and Val Nichushkin with the other goal for Colorado. It was 3-2, actually, 3-2. Um, so, I don't know. It's it's I, it's you late. This, I'm, this I'm game, getting this, a, this, I'm pulling this, it up right this, now. This game could have been 7-2. It could have been 8-2. Yeah. It, could have, it could have been a lot of things. If it, look, look, the game started off with an inadvertent just, just – Play that Kim McCarr hasn't made since he was a rookie. So that one I'm letting wash by because I'm not even I wasn't even stressed about that. It was a hell of a pay by, by O'Reilly and Kemper just got beat glove side, and there was not much you could do about that. It was a great defensive play. Okay, then you get to the second period where you're just dominating the whole ice. I'm talking about things off the post. This team had so many damn opportunities to put one in the back of that. It couldn't. Does it worry me? Yes. But does it also tell me how good Bennington is? Yes. I know how good Bennington is. I mm. fucking hate his ass. Mm, no. Stop, Jimmy. No. This guy won a Stanley Cup. This guy won a Stanley Cup. Luckily, yeah. he won a Stanley, 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 Stanley Cup. Either way, he won a Stanley Cup. So that's all that, that most guys in the league, starting goaltender, most Stanley overrated I don't care. of all time. I don't care. Guy has won a Stanley Cup. There's zero argument about that. The dude is a very good goaltender, above average most of the league, Jimmy. And you can't deny that. And he played probably his best game of the series that he'll have. There's zero doubt, doubt about that. He, he stood on his ass, but the Avs also missed their opportunities. It wasn't just that Bennington came out dominating. The Avs had EJ's goal where, where it came off the back of the stick. How, how the four was it four or five pipes or posts that helped him out? You have the landing goal in front. You, there's there's multiple chances this team had. Bennington got saved by a lot of them, but the confidence he has is undeniable. He's a very good goaltender. He's not one of the best, but he's a very good goaltender. He is a shit attitude, but he's a Stanley Cup winner for a reason, and he knows how to get to 16 wins, so that's why I'm 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 like, this. look, it's going to take a while to beat this guy. I know we can, because I saw it tonight, and I know some of those bounces will bounce the other way and in, but it's important to get to him early, because you cannot run into a Ryan O'Reilly situation like we did this game and give up a goal with a, with a, with a bad turnover and your own end, and, and the depth that St. Louis has, and have them just go up 1-0 like that. Because when, with teams with coming down 1-0, it's not easy. Yes, we're, team, we're a very good team, but it's not that easy. I my, I don't think that Jordan Biddington is going to finish the series in that. I think that we're going to get to him. We're going to figure him out. He proved, like, though the fact that this game wasn't 8-1 to or 8-2 to or whatever you want to call it, that's – in and of itself, something that we could talk about. Uh, Sam Gerard and Sam Gerard, Josh Manson, and Val Nichushkin were the three goals for the Avalanche tonight. Um, so th- they played well, and the fact that they overcame their flash of the 2021 Colorado Avalanche, where they gave up the game tying goal at the end of the power play to push it into overtime, I'm encouraged by what I saw. I don't need it to all be pretty. I I know that you need to win some games gritty, and I'm fine with that. I am not going to give Jordan Biddington credit for tonight. It was not him that kept this game close. It was not. It was the Colorado Avalanche getting the bad luck of the draw, and St. Louis ended up having two good plays. And, and St. Louis has talent in their front front nine forwards. They do have talent. Is it anywhere near the talent that the Colorado Avalanche have, even on their second or third defensive pairing? Is very evident tonight. No, you don't. It's not cl- unless the Avalanche make a terrible change on a power play or they have something where the puck just bounces and Kale McCarr has a brain fart, you are not anywhere close to touching this team. So talent-wise, I'm fine with that. 
This is going to be the biggest mental test of the playoffs for the Colorado Avalanche. I, I, I said it. I said it last week. I said it. Whoever we play in this round, it'll be the biggest test we'll have, unless we play Tampa in the Cup final, which there's a long ways to go there. It's the biggest test we'd have. Because I think between Calgary and Edmonton, if we get past St. Louis, we can run through both those guys. But it's the biggest touch you have because of the history, because of everything, that the rivalry between these two teams and that St. Louis has, is the last cup winner besides Tampa Bay, so, uh, people forget. So it's, 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 it's this team has championship pedigree, top to bottom. It's not going to be easy. And, and I look, it's what, I, what I've been saying about NBA and NHL playoffs. You take it two games at a time. Take care of business at home. You go, then you go into St. Louis and you hope to get one. That's the important thing. You don't go in with the mindset, we got to win both. You take business, care of business at home. You go in the mindset of St. Louis saying, I want to win one. You win one, you come back home as you finish that shit. That's mm-hmm. how you, you got to think about it. I didn't think we were going to sweep, sweep Nashville. I sure as hell know we're not going to sweep these guys because they're a far better team than Nashville. So you got to go on the mindset saying we take care of business at home, and then we go on the road, win a game, and then go from there. That's that's how you have to do it. Game game two is just as big as game one because you come in, you set the tone saying we're not going to be pushed around. You come in, you get to Bennington quickly, and then you – Going to St. Louis, the mindset is like, fuck you, we're going to get one here. We're going to take care of our business. You may get lucky one night. You may get some goals here and there. You may get to Kemper one night. But I guarantee you, we'll take one, and we'll take you back home to game five where you're going to be packing your shit, and you're not calling back for our game six. Yeah, we're getting, we're starting to get a little bit more used to it now as Avalanche fans. But playoff hockey goes in waves, and not, not only just waves in series – or waves throughout the entire 16 games that you have to win, waves within the game. And that was what happened tonight. The first period, St. Louis had the wave of momentum. They took a one nothing lead into intermission. The Avalanche took that back, and then they were able to re – you know, in overtime, the Avalanche outshot the Blues 13 nothing. The Blues did not have a single shot on goal in overtime. So when the Avalanche want to or when they're in their wave, they are absolutely – cutting through the blues like a knife through butter. I'm still saying this series is probably going to go six. I think that they're going to finish it in six. Um, St. Louis has the leadership and the experience that they can push this avalanche team. And I'm glad. I'm glad that the avalanche are going to get pushed in this series you, you because want, it's you what want you this need. Team tested. You, want, you want this team tested. Absolutely. You don't want if we were on the opposite team, side yeah. of the bracket, I would feel much worse about this team moving forward. But the fact that we're going to have to overcome a team of this caliber, I'm all for it. And, and bring on bring on the bat- winner of the Battle of Alberta. I'm, I'm more than happy to take because it. Because that, that war, if you can get out of this series in five or six and you have those two just kill each other for seven games, you're looking very, very good. So then uh, the other series that has a game played already, Tampa Bay and Florida. Florida did not look good tonight. How the hell were people having plus 140 Tampa Bay money line to win the series? I jumped on that shit so damn quick. I jumped. I parlayed. I parlayed Tampa Bay to win the first game and to win the series at plus 300 so quickly. If you really think, look, if Florida is going to win the series, they have to win back-to-back games against Vasilevsky. That's yes. all you need to know. This series is over, right? Like, like, think about it. Vasilevsky, a guy who has had eight, who's 18-0 in his last game against losses, coming off of playoff losses, 18-0. You're telling me Florida, this this Florida team has great offensive power, but struggle against Washington, who could have been down 3-1 against Washington? No. Tampa Bay is a far and away better team. They, they got exposed tonight. Look, Tampa Bay coasted through Toronto. They did not play their best hockey at all in that first series. You saw game one tonight. I was watching the Heat game, I'll be honest, so I didn't really watch much of it, but I watched the highlights. But, man, they just came out firing on all cylinders and said, we have the talent. You guys just have the, 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 the Mickey Mouse Cup, as people should call it. The President's Cup. The Mickey Mouse Cup, as we should call it. The cup that doesn't mean anything. So it's Tampa Bay has had the real one the last two years and showed it exactly why. Florida, you may push this to seven. I'll say it. You may get a couple games here and there because of your power. But you're not winning two off of Vasilevsky. That's not happening. People no. that think Florida this, Florida that, they have great offense, offensive power between Huberto, um, Giroux, Ekblad, and, and all those studs they have up front, and, and Joe, Big Joe, Jumbo Joe. Like, no. 
it's it's you're in the big leagues now. This ain't no Washington Capitals team that 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 laid over after they could have been up on you in the series. Like yeah. this ain't no this ain't no walking apart. We're talking about a top five goaltender of all time when he's done with his career. Like this ain't no this ain't no puppy puppy uh puppy park uh walk through walk through like it's not it's not easy for you no and uh looking here at the game stats tonight i did watch uh the third period of this game over three on the power play for florida and i'm looking up the stat right now because it is atrocious uh of their power play in this postseason i'm getting there but it's honestly like the fact that they have the goaltending situation now that's really the only reason that florida was able to squeak past Washington when you think about it I know Samsonov played out of his mind but when you look at Sergei Bobrovsky versus Ilya Samsonov there's a clear edge towards Bobrovsky well now when you look in this series to Andre Vasilevsky and, and the, the 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 difference between Samsonov and Bobrovsky is about here mm-hmm. the difference between Bobrovsky and Vasilevsky is about here. It's night and day. If you, and look, people forget the last goaltender to win two straight against Vasilevsky is who, Jimmy? Uh, that would be and went yeah. to Bobrovsky back in Columbus. People forget, but it's not. This is not the same team. It is uh, not the same team. It is not the same team. <laughs> no, this. Uh, I believe the power play for Florida has scored four goals total in the series, and they've had 18 tries. So they have not been able to oh. take advantage of that at all. They're it's basically over, they're over until like game five or game six, I think. Yeah, in that first it's, round. It's a free momentum shift when Florida takes a penalty right now because you're going to get a kill and you're going to get a chance to maybe maybe even give up a shorthanded goal. But then Tampa Bay tonight took advantage of the power play. Kucherov uh, scores uh, finally showed up in the Stanley Cup playoffs and, made, and made, had himself a night. But he made a dance on that one goal. <laughs> that was that was dirty. Um, so the thing about Tampa Bay, and I heard the story last week. When they lose, they all take it so seriously. And the fact that these guys have two cups back-to-back and they still take every loss as personally as they do, this is why Tampa Bay is going to be – John Cooper and that attitude that Tampa Bay has. And shout out Belmar because Belmar did get his first game-winning goal of, of in a postseason game of his career. But when Tampa Bay's third and fourth lines are going, I've said it the last four years – they are a scary team. And right now with the momentum that they have coming off game seven in Toronto and what they just did to Florida in game one, they're going to start this conference final with all the momentum in the world. We're going to, we're going to see what the, what the, um, what the dividends of not having point will be, how long that may be. That may give, like I said, that might give a Panthers one game here or there. Cause that, that second, third line from point getting, getting you no points added points on say. Or third line is going to be a huge loss, it, but it, like I said, point will come back eventually, and that's where it'll all on be things. But this team does four one to you on your home ice game one without some of their depth pieces. It's like I said, you're done for. The series is already over. If Florida wins, I will be have I will be very 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 mildly surprised. That's all I'll say. Anyone in particular you're looking for Florida to step up and possibly lead this team out of the hole? If Drew is going to be the acquisition of the deadline, the guy that said, I wanted to come play for Florida, it's going to be him. If you're the guy that, that, that was stuck on a bad Flyers team for all those years, you were the all-star and the multi-time all-star and first team all whatever for so long, then it's going to have to be you. You finally got a good team with a decent goaltender and very good second or third guys. It's going to be Huberto and it's going to, it's going to be Drew because those are the two guys that Huberto carried you all season, but Drew is, is your big-time acquisition. If your big-time acquisition you gave all that farm up for does not come up big in the playoffs, then what are you really doing? Yeah, I don't see any kind of leadership like I do when I watch Tampa Bay play. When I watch Florida play, it's a lot of it's a lot of talent. That's why they were able to win so many games in comeback fashion. But I don't see a tried and true leader like when the Avalanche play. Landeskog is out there; everybody has a similar mindset. When the Blues play, O'Reilly's out there; everybody has a similar mindset. Stamkos, McDavid, Johnny Gaudreau. Everybody, every other team in this playoffs has a guy like that right now, and Florida is lacking in that area. Yeah, very much so. Very much other, so. Yeah. The the other side in the East that'll start tonight as you guys are listening to it, uh, Carolina and New York. It'll be game one from Raleigh in the Raleigh Dome. Um, we both made a pretty st- solid case that Carolina is probably not going to lose a game at home. So I assume we're both thinking that the, Car- the Hurricanes go up one game 
and uh, New York is going to be scrambling to try and find an answer for game two. Starkin gets in his head, like I said last week, very, very quickly. And, and if he gets in his head against these guys, he's done. Mm-hmm. He's done mm-hmm. for. Because Carolina, like I said, puts you away. Pittsburgh doesn't put you away. Carolina, Carolina will put you away. And then the uh, final series that we have to talk about, last prediction here, Cal- Calgary versus Edmonton. Uh, who do you think wins I, game one, and then who do you think wins the series? I still – I'm riding Calgary. I think it goes seven. I do think it goes seven, but I'm still riding Calgary until proven otherwise because I still think that, that Edmonton is so, so, so bad on the blue line. Like it is it is laughable how bad of a goaltender Mike Smith is. Look, no offense, Mike Smith, he's in the NHL. Good for you, but you're not a playoff caliber goaltender back there to win you two playoff series, let alone one. So I'm not – I'm riding Calgary the hot, the hot hand. Even though they struggled against Dallas, I, I put that more on Ottinger and Dallas playing up to their standards. But I, I'm I'm putting all my forces at Calgary, Colorado, obviously, um, West Coast Finals. It's hard to argue any of those points. Um, and, and also, Evander Kane and McDavid seem to have a little bit of tension at the end of that game seven with uh, seven gesture – or game six – with a seven gesture that Kane threw up after his his goal. Kane has been a boost to this team. I don't know if it's going to be enough for Edmonton to get past and, and make themselves into the, the conference final again. So I, I think that it's probably going to be – I honestly think could see this one ending in five because Edmonton gets down after they're not able to get a win in Calgary. And, and we might be heading back – you know, they might win game four, kind of like how Montreal did in the finals of last year where you get blown out games one and two, you – Salvage your pride game three and, and then or four or five games one, two, three, salvage your pride in game four and then get beaten game five on, on the other team's ice. It's not going to be a Cinderella story of, of a season for Edmonton at all. Nope, nope, nope. Special right. drive style injury, no. Special drive style bang up, no. Danny Kane so, is not one of the top two guys. That's he's a good second or third line, third line player, but he's not. He's not a second line on a, on a contending team. That's all I'll say. McDavid is good enough to be the first, second, third, fourth, and the fifth on options on this team. But at some point, teams just will body him and just make everyone else beat you because that's all you have to do. Yeah. Uh, so far through the playoffs, who's your Con Smythe winner? All right, say that again. Who's your Con Smythe so far? It's going to be Kale McCarr. <laughs> it's it's going to be Kale. It's, it's either Kale it'll, or it'll be Vasilevsky. I'll, I'll say it right now. If Colorado, if we, if we win, like we, we are both hoping, it'll be Kale. If, if Tampa Bay wins it all, it'll be Vasilevsky. That's plain and simple. The, 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 the Consumite Trophy should never be given to a team that's not in the cup final. And I think it'll be the, us versus Tampa Bay in the end. So it's going to come down to who wins the series. And I think if Kale McCarr can get past Vasilevsky for more than, more than a couple times, it'll be him. McCarr did end up putting on another point. So he's got 11 in five games, most by a defenseman in NHL history. Uh, and he's only 23. So just got to keep that in mind. Um, yeah. So far for me, I think it's, it's going to be one of the goaltenders and take your pick. One of the hot goaltenders right now. I think it could be Markstrom. I think it could be Vasilevsky um, uh, or I, uh, Kale's obviously one, but I don't want to throw out the same name as you, but yeah, if Kale, if the avalanche are in the final, Kale's going to have, Pretty much, it's going to be him right up until the end of it. And if somebody oh, else has or, a monster or, series, or Mac, Mac, Mac will be right in the conversation also. I don't think he skates as fast as he can up until the playoffs because he's yeah. getting up to twenty-four miles an hour in two strides right now. It's, it's, it's kind of insane. It's kind of unfair. He that's needs to fair. register for license plates because that's not safe for him to be out there with other human beings. No, no, no. Kyrou won the speed competition, and Kyrou's standing still, skating next to McKinnon. It's, it's cute. I'm yeah. glad you got that award, Kyrou. It's cute. It's really cute. All right. And, and now we get to move over to what you've been paying attention to. That's the NBA playoffs. Um, and we're going to go back once again to Game 7s and uh, Boston-Milwaukee. We'll start with that one because I want to give you ample time Man, to talk fun about one, The fun one CP3. second. The, yeah, fun, the one, fun one will yeah. be second. Fun one second. Okay, yeah. So this 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 game seven, Milwaukee without Middleton had no shot. I'll say it. They, they came out firing, and then Boston decided, well, Grant Williams is going to decide he's going to have 12 threes tonight, and that's how we're going to win. It's not going to be Tatum. Tatum had four or five fouls in the second half. 
There was uh, he was he was non-factor. It was Jalen Brown, Al Horford, and freaking Grant Williams in one of the series. And if Boston is going to have a chance against Miami, which we'll talk about here in a minute, they're going to have to have that night in night out because I think my, I think Milwaukee was a much better team. They if they have Middleton, they win that series in six, five or six. I'm serious, and and that's no slight against Boston because I think Tatum is out of this world right now. He is a top five player in basketball by far and away, and what he's doing night in night out is incredible. But Milwaukee right now just just was shorthanded and not there. Mm-hmm. And Boston, look, look, they got exposed in game one, in my opinion. We'll talk about it here in a minute. Like I said, I keep saying that. But they got exposed in game one for a reason because they're very, they're very, very raw. That's the best way to put it. They're, they're not championship contenders because they're not in the mindset of a championship. They're, they're a very, very solid team, but they don't have that edge yet. Like they know they're good, but they don't have the edge yet. They may find it. They may they very well may find it in the Eastern Conference Finals, but they don't have that edge yet like Milwaukee did last year. So that's where they're going to have to go soul searching a little bit there. But yeah, hats off to Boston winning on your own court. That's always so much easy. They ended up at the end of the season winning the last two games. Milwaukee quote unquote tanked so that they wouldn't have to wouldn't have to or had the guys healthy for the playoffs, which ended up biting themselves in the ass. So good for Boston. I, I said at Boston, I, I would not, I said it before the series, I would not be surprised if Boston won the series and they ended up doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, that was one of the tightest series that we've seen all throughout the playoffs. And there are times where Milwaukee looked like they could take over, but they were just missing uh, that one presence. And then on the other side of things, uh, we finally got our revenge on the Suns and Four guy. Oh, you you tweet you texted me right after you tweeted that, and you were like, "That was like a cathartic experience," and and it had to be. The Suns not I, only look, lose look. in Game Seven, but you get forty oh, piece. Look at your fucking god. That's all I'll say. Look at your god. I, I look. There were there were two hockey Game Sevens. Instead of watching New York versus Pittsburgh until overtime, because I turned on when it went to overtime, I was watching the forty piece. I kid you not. I, I was like, yeah, I'm watching this shit. This shit feels good. It feels so good. And look, we have friends in that are either Phoenix Suns fans or yeah. P- from Phoenix. This is nothing against you. Let's put that out there. There's what I'm about to say. We love you guys. There's nothing against you. But fuck Chris Paul. Fuck the Suns and Four God. And fuck all those fuckers that just got so damn cocky for winning nothing. Mm-hmm. Winning nothing. Chris Paul saying, I'm addicted to getting to the final last year. I'm so glad you beat your addiction. Let's give it up for Chris Paul, everybody. We're beating your addiction and, not, and never getting back to the finals. I'm so proud of you, Chris Paul. In the biggest game of your career, the career definer of this could be your spot last, you're on the best team in basketball, record-wise, and you are have a good shot at winning the NBA Finals. A lot of people picked you, including myself, and you put out that performance. Listen to the stats, Jimmy. I I read the stat. I was like, holy crap. Luka Doncic. Look, first of all, I'll say it right now. I'm going to game four next week because I'm in Dallas, and I will have a Luka jersey on. Don't say I'm a bandwagon because suck me off because I love watching good basketball. Luka is one of my favorite players to watch. So I will be in Dallas for game four against Golden State, and I will be rooting on Dallas, so suck me. Either way, Luka Doncic, he not only outscored Devin Booker, who was – Fourth in MVP voting this series. He out-rebounded DeAndre Ayton, who is supposedly a top-five center in basketball. And then he out-assisted the, the, uh, the, the point god, as you are calling him, Chris Paul this series. Oh, and then your, and then your defensive player of the year candidate that you thought should have won, he had more steals than Mike Mikel Bridges in that series. It was a complete masterclass of what Luca did. It was a it was what we call an outer world's experience. I could have taken shrooms and been and not experienced that much high of seeing them run them so so bad out the gym. That was the most embarrassing probably game and a game in NBA a game in NBA playoffs. I'll even say game seven history. Not once has a team on home ice court field, whatever, baseball, football, or not baseball, basketball, or hockey, that a team has gotten that badly blown out and at home when you are the 
far and away favorite team to win the NBA championship. It was just crazy. Just crazy what Luca did to these fools. And it all started with the Luca special. Booker thought it would be cute to mock him after winning game five and doing the sleeping thing on the floor and then, and then pushing around. Luca said it best. Y'all were talking real good when you all up. Now what happens? Y'all, there's a mouse. John Drayton's going to be gone. Chris Paul, they're looking to straighten his ass. Mikel Bridges has an expiring contract. We were seeing the Suns window may have opened and closed in the same amount of time Jamal Murray has that has been out of the league not playing basketball. <laughs> just just think about that. Jamal Murray's been injured for one and a half seasons, and the Suns and look, I look, I have nothing but love for Suns fans, most of them, and, and nothing but love for that city because I've been because uh, I lived there for three years and, and I've been to so many Suns games. But man, see Chris Paul fall like that, just just. Felt so good, Jimmy. Chris Paul just oh, oh yeah. that that little twat, that little twat for years. And people saying, "Well, why the hell do you hate Chris Paul?" All I'll say is that I have a friend who played on his team back when his life was not at his best in New Orleans. And let's just say Chris Paul and that team did not back him up. That's all I'll say. That's all I'll leave it at that. Yeah, he. Uh... Our friends in Phoenix, our friends in Arizona are going to be in a rough place for the next few months because you oh, are Diamondbacks your, suck. Like they, yeah. they, they don't have anything to look forward to. Cardinals, suck. The Cardinals are going to blow it uh, by the time the season hits November in the NFL. Um, Coyotes are playing at ASU. They're playing ASU, yeah. And they don't, even get their own, they don't even get their own logo on the, on the ice, by the way. It's going to be they? They're going to have to change it to the library before the game. It's so it's it's all bad it's, for Arizona feel, right now. This bad. was your one shot. It's, 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 it's a very good sports town. I will say that. They, they love their teams over there. But man, watching Chris Paul. Like I said, this is nothing personal against our Phoenix Suns fans, friends. Don't take this personal. This is all against my hatred for Chris Paul and, and what you, and what the Suns of Four guy did to me last year, okay? It's nothing against you. All right. Uh, before we talk about the conference finals matchups and the game that already took place, I do want to address this Patrick Beverly because we had J.J. Redick making headlines in the NBA media last week, and now Pat Beverly – um, you know, basically like everybody has similar feelings towards Chris Paul, unless you're LeBron James and everybody knows that Chris Paul does what he does. And Pat Beverly was very open and honest about his feelings about him. Did he take it a little bit too far? In my opinion? Yeah, it was way over the line, not professional, but this is what Patrick Beverly was brought in to ESPN. Whenever he's on an ESPN program, that's what Patrick Beverly is there to do. So, uh, I don't, I don't put it, I don't put the fault on him in the fact that he was put in that situation. I put the fault on him that he took it way too far and did it in a way that was un, that was not classy and unprofessional. However, he's not, he's not as good as Chris Paul is. He's like, not even in the same stratosphere. That's, I, it's, not, it's, it's like, it's like, it's like, uh, uh, let me, let me put this in a football term. It's, it's, oh. It's Tony Romo it's, talking it's, shit about Tom Brady. Right? Not, not, no, it's, yeah, not, not, not that high. I, w- I would say it's like the likes of Drew Brees getting shit on by uh, Derek or Derek Carr. That's that's the best way to put it. Drew, Drew, Drew Brees, who, who was a consistent quarterback, not one of the greatest of all time, but a consistent guy throughout his whole career that a lot of people had mixed feelings about against a guy who has never won anything, who's just been a role player on his be- on, on good teams. That's that's the best way to put it. And, and look, Pat Bev, I don't disagree with what you saying, but there's some there's some lines you don't cross, especially when you're a current player. Mm-hmm. People forget Chris Paul was was at one point the head of the president or president of the players' association. Yeah. That shit doesn't fly. It, they're, they're, people, like look, look, Chris Paul. There, there's people that don't like Chris Paul across the league. There's, there's no doubt about that. But there's a respect level of going on national television and saying the things he said. There's, there's a respect level between players to a point of where this stays in locker rooms. This stays between text messages. This does not go to the media because we may have the same feelings about one another. But we're talking about a Hall of Fame guy, which he is a Hall of Famer. But we're talking about a Hall of Fame player the, this this way on national television. 
And I agree that teams target his ass because he's that bad defensively. And I can say this shit because I don't play in the league and I'm a media personnel, technically. So I can say this all I want, but as a player that will see him and that people have friends across the league, you don't do that. And there's a reason why I love what J.J. Reddick has done on ESPN for I don't know how, how long he's been there now, but he what he's because he's he's so he's so methodical about the game about how uh, how players are acting how what it takes to win so many games and then you have Patrick Beverly coming in and being like he's what he's washed he's washed he's not good Chris Paul same Chris Paul like, like, like it's not like like look people give Shaq Chuck and Kenny so much shit for for being just. Being just dumb dumbs because they just do stupid shit and it's what the TNT broadcaster for. That's in what it's and for. That's what it's for. But when they when they come down to analyzing the game, there's very few that do it like that. Jerry mm. Moore, as much as I hate his ass, is the exact same way. There is a far difference between Draymond and, and his methodical reasoning behind the way he talks about players, the way he talks about the game, and then Patrick Beverly. Yeah. It's and, and I am. I am not. Okay, look, people forget. Well, Lakers. He, he was like, well, all this Lakers fraud championship. Well, about your ass lost in the bubble three one. Let's not forget that. Okay, you you were waving goodbye to our team after in game five. So you have nowhere to talk. Nowhere to talk. Yeah, and you got a guy like Matt Barnes, who's another <laughs> basketball player Very who's gone into media. In and I don't think that he has – he's not buddies with Chris Paul. He wasn't standing up for Chris Paul out of a – he, he might have a little bit with of a He did play with him. He did play with him, but it's still – It was more on, along the lines of, like what we were saying, as professional athletes, there's certain lines you do and do not cross. And that there's line certain lines – like, it's called locker room talk for a reason. Mm-hmm. You, you, what, what I say to someone in the locker room does not – about a different team, it's like saying a game plan almost. Yeah. Like, like if I'm talking to, talking about a play breakdown about an opposing player being like this guy uses his left is not good with his left hand let's force him left or this guy uh, uh, puts too much weight on his hand when it's a run play that's things you don't tell the media because uh, uh, because of, of of either player code or it's mind games that go against you like it, it's 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 just looking bad upon you that's all I'll say yeah and I mean it goes back to philosophy that was used in wwe you don't want to bury your opponent too much because if that opponent does happen to get over on you then you look twice as bad so now when next season when chris paul does lock down pat beverly which it might happen once or twice that's all that's going to be talked about and it's no pat bev has nobody to blame it on but himself because he went out there he did what he did and i haven't seen if he's put out a response from all the backlash that he's got i'm sure he's not going to because well, he Chris probably Paul is on zero dark 30 <laughs> he is well, not looked at us that son's team has not looked at their phone so not, not even Chris, i don't i i wonder if pat bev is going to maybe walk back some of what he said after everything that's been said about him in the, the way media. he is no the way he yeah. is no absolutely and nba not. players have too big an egos to walk back yeah. anything so it's dumb of me to even suggest but uh, let's move on to the actual games on the court western conference final Three seed Golden State Warriors after beating Memphis last round, taking on the Dallas Mavericks, coming off the upset of the number one overall seed, uh, number four. Uh, they were seeded fourth initially in the playoff bracket. Luca versus Steph. Um, they were fifth, by the way, I think. No, oh, oh, no, Utah, Utah, was Utah was fifth. I forgot. That game yeah. So with, with this matchup, what are you seeing? What do you like uh, for, for Dallas in this matchup? And are they going to be able to combat the, the pick and roll offense that we're going to see from Golden State? If there was one team that matched up, like, body-wise, I'm not saying ability-wise, but body-wise with Golden State would be these guys. Dallas plays a near exact way as Golden State. They have your shooters and Brunson, Dinwiddie, and Luka, obviously. Then you have the likes of Bertans um, and Dwight Powell, who are undersized big men that just go out there and play bully ball down low. You're not throwing bubble on out there unless it's scrub minutes. Like this is going to be a very small ball game where it's going to be a bunch of jackrabbits jumping around the around the court, picking off one another for, for, for 48 minutes. That's how it's going to be. And look, I, I gave my prediction before before game one. I, I said I, I'm I picked Miami in seven, and I'm sticking with Dallas and Dallas and six. Because first of all, I do not want Golden State for Boston. Please kill me now. That's the final. That's all I'm going to say. Two fan bases that, oh, I just cannot stand. But 
I would love to see Dallas versus Miami because I have so much, so many memories between the D Wade versus versus Dirk, and then then Dirk versus LeBron. Like you could you could go on and on with those series, and, and I and Luca, in my opinion, like I said, I said last series, I think Luca will win you a couple games. Did I think she beat the best team in the league? No, I did not. But I was underestimating this 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 Slovenian god. That's all I'll call him right now. Right now, the best player in basketball left in the playoffs is Luka Doncic. Second best is Jason Tam. Third best is between Steph Curry and Jimmy Butler, and that's how you go from there. And because Luka right now is out of this world. Like the stat I was saying when we talked about the Sun Series, him out-rebounding their best big man, outscoring their best quote-unquote player, out-assisting their leader and point guard, out-stealing their, their best defender, it's it was it was like Luca full on takeover. There is a yeah. reason why there's such a buzz in Dallas right now, and it's gonna take a lot. One team that can match up defensively with these guys, it may be Dallas. Because look, you're gonna have the likes of Claire Wiggins on Luca, and, and Luca's gonna have to probably throw on him on Wiggins. Brunson is a halfway decent defender. You can just have him follow Steph Curry around for, for 40 minutes and just deal with that. And then you look at the likes of Spencer Dinwiddie is going to have to play big minutes. Dinwiddie, Dwight Powell, and, and Dallas Bertans, and, and the likes of Dorian Finney-Smith are going to be the X factors. Because when you get to that second unit of Golden State, Golden State does something very similar to what the Heat do, and he have done for so many years by the next yourself successful. You trust eight, you play seven, and, and and you and you go from six. That's how that's how it goes. Uh, and with this with this Golden State team, I think they'll win. I think they do. But I want Dallas to win, obviously, because I'm going to Game Four. But I would love Dallas to win. So, but I, I can't I can't put it past Golden State because of how good Steph Curry and the likes of like Jordan Poole was non-existent in that second series. He was a god in the first against us, but he was non-existent in that second series. I would expect Jordan Poole to have another great series this one because there isn't very many second group guys that can match up with him defensively. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I think that Golden State has the possibility of maybe overlooking uh, the fact that they're playing Dallas instead of Phoenix. I think they all assumed they were going to be playing the Suns. Uh, but I don't think that Steve Kerr, Steph, Clay, those guys that have been there, they're not going to let that affect them for four games that Dallas is going to be able to steal. Dallas is going to have to play and match them in order to win this series. And I don't know if they're going to be able to do that consistently. I hope they get a win when you're out there in Dallas. And I'd like to Whoa. see them beat Golden State because I don't necessarily want to see the Warriors in the finals again. But it is very difficult for me to say, sit here and say – uh, Golden State isn't going to be able to get past Dallas and, and go back to the final. So I'm picking Golden State as well. I think that one might go seven. I think Dallas is hot. I think Luka is hot right now, and, and he wants to push this thing as far as he can. Look, I love Luka, but he's not going to be able to do what he did in game seven against the next way against Golden State. That's that's all about. If it goes seven, Golden State will win. If it goes shorter than that, Dallas has a chance. That means taking one or two and Golden State. So that's 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 gonna be the tough one here if if if, if you're Dallas. So and, and look, Dallas was World Warriors. They played really well on the road against against Phoenix, like obviously game seven, but they were World Warriors for a reason. So I'm not I'm not doubting them because I doubted Luca before, but I'm not doubting this team because look, Luca is just out of the stratosphere. That's the best way I'll put it. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, talk about the Eastern Conference matchup and, and what happened in game one. Miami goes up 1-0 over Boston, but Boston is far from out of this thing. Um, but what did Miami do well in game one? Miami came in, and Boston had that lead for most of the game. But that third quarter, when they went on a 22-2 run, 22-2 run, they came in and just pumped their ass right off the bat. And it was great basketball. You had the likes of Max Struess, Jimmy Buckets. One of the – look, I'll, I'll even say it. Uh, I'll to get into you, buddy. That knows, buddy knows. You dropping the mitts over there? What, what's going on? Yeah, I'm fighting myself. But those not, for those not why. Watching Jimmy just plugged his nose with the with the with the, with the tissue, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> go back I'm with, through it for you guys. Yeah, but but look, Jimmy Butler may be one of the most underrated stars in the league. Forty points, he has five forty-point games in his career for the Miami Heat. Guess where they all came from? 
the postseason. <laughs> Jimmy big-time player buckets for a reason. And, look, I hated on the Heat back, was it November or whenever it was, because that was against my team. But now yeah. I'm back on the – I love the Heat. Yes, I'm a, I'm a Fairweather fan. Call me that. I don't care. Rip me apart in the comments below. Comment below, whatever. But what this Heat team does – they, they suffocate you on defense, defensively. Jimmy Butler, likes of Jimmy Butler, Gabe Vincent, they didn't even have Lowry tonight. And then you go on a 22-2 run to start that third quarter. They were, they were, they knew what, they know what it takes. There is no better coach at halftime adjustments that left in the playoffs. I will say uh, um, Popovich is a part of this conversation. No better than Spell. Spo knows what, what needs to be fixed and makes the tough decisions of not throwing Duncan Robinson out there after he had a great first game in that first series um, in the playoffs, has not touched the court since, is riding with Struess and Benson and the likes of those dogs and seeing what he's got from his guys because he trusts who he trusts. And you know what Jimmy's going to get you. You know what Tyler Hill's going to get you. And you know what Bam's going to get you. Lowry is just a icing on the cake. This team needs Lowry, though, to win the series. I will say that. I think Boston can steal game two. But they need Lowry if they're gonna have a chance to take the to go back to the NBA Finals, which I don't doubt that they will. I uh, I had it on in my head. I think that Boston was was on the right track. They got hot at the right time. I did not expect them to lose Game One of this series against Miami. I am not gonna pick Boston to get past the Heat. I think that Miami, just because it's Boston and I have a bias against that whole region and, and everything, I don't necessarily have a true reason behind it, but I do think we're going to see Miami and Golden State, and uh, it, it should be a, a watched, you know, going back to those classics, obviously LeBron's not going to be involved, but he will be involved. He's going to be tweeting from his couch, and uh, yeah, we'll I, I I would I would much rather Dallas versus Miami because I don't want us to go to State there again, and I, and I like different. I like differences. I like having two teams. Boston has fucking 20-some championships. They, they, they don't need another one, okay? They can live without another one. Just, 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 that's, look, the Heat have won a lot. Give, give Dallas a chance, right? But, like, Dallas, like I said, there's a reason why I'm riding the, the coattails of Dallas because I like a different story because Dallas, in my opinion, are very, are built similar to how the Nuggets were. They're built, not bought. And I love that. Look at the rest of the teams. Boston is built not bought, don't get me wrong. Miami is bought. Golden State is halfway built, halfway bought. But I I just would rather Dallas win. I just would. I, I wouldn't mind Miami winning. Just don't let Boston or Golden State win, please. I'm begging you. Well, uh, it's been a late night, so I think we can uh, wrap up episode 87 of the Far Into the Bench podcast. We'll have another episode coming at you guys Friday. We'll be recording that one right after Thursday, hopefully my nose will corroborate the entire time, but it was a great episode so far. We talked a lot of playoff sports and uh, everything going on on the hardwood. Like we mentioned, Wednesdays, Fridays, new episodes coming out every single week. Be sure to follow, rate, review, five, leave a five-star review and a rating. We'll read that on the podcast. Follow at FEOTV pod, all social media, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and uh, we'll be coming at you with more content. We have a, a good friend that's actually touching down in the Denver area, so we're going to be trying to get something done with uh with the tell it as it is guys christian and uh, griffin over there but well, yeah absolutely looking forward to that before we go i want to say two other things on two different sports real quickly the rockies are dead and Lionel messi is playing in the united states soccer <laughs> the mls in two years soccer is back baby the cup is coming home this summer world cup is coming home there you go with those hot takes talk. <laughs> with those hot takes this has been episode 87 of the Fire of the Bench podcast for myself, Jimmy Pilato, my co-host, Nico Bryant. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will see you guys next week. Peace. This is the blues I'm playing. Yes, it's a final thing. When the night is cold and lonely. This is the dollar bell piece. Was it the money that made me a savage? Popping them prices, I made it a habit. Towing them pistols and serving them addicts. That was exciting to me.